All right, this morning we are continuing our series called I'm Fine, Thanks. Uh, we've done three weeks so far. If you haven't listened to the first three, I would encourage you to go listen to them. Uh, that's the, the glory of Facebook. I don't know if I'm going to use the word glory. That's the benefit <laughs> of having Facebook is that you can go back on and, and re-watch and re-listen if you've forgotten something. Um, we've talked about rest the last two weeks, and, and this morning we're going to talk about Something completely different than rest, but something that's essential and something that we struggle with when we have anxiety and we have depression. But first, I'm going to tell you a story. Some of you have heard this story before, uh, and it won't be as funny, but it will still be a little bit funny. Um, when I was 12, I took a trip to Mozambique, Africa, um, and we were going to work at an orphanage in, in Mozambique. And if you've ever traveled, especially internationally, you know that there is something wrong with airlines. For some reason... They are the most mismanaged. If you work for an airline, I don't think you do. But if you do, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to bash you the whole, the whole service. I, I cannot understand what happens in an airline and how come they can look at me and know that I have a ticket that says I'm going to Mozambique. And I look at my bag, and it says it's going to Mozambique. And somehow we never end up at the same place. I don't understand that. But this trip started off not very good anyways. We left from Abilene. We get to Dallas. And our flight is canceled, and we have to stay in a sketchy hotel overnight in Dallas, in the bad part of Dallas. Already just a really bad trip. I was thinking, maybe we should just cancel. Let's just, we could do something here. But we didn't. We woke up the next morning, got on our flight. We had really a really long flight. We were on a plane for like 24, 25 hours at some point. And, and we get to Mozambique, and we go stand at the little terminal thing, carnival. What is it called with the bags? Not carnival. Let's try this again. Good morning. I'm just kidding. Uh, the baggage claim. We're standing at baggage claim, and the light starts going off. I know my bag's about to be here. It starts going around. Everyone's, everyone around me is getting their bag. Every single person is getting their bag, except for me and my team. And we're standing there, and finally the bags stop coming, and the thing is empty, and we are brokenhearted <laughs> as we look, and our bags are still not there. So we go, and we you know, fill out all these forms. I lose luggage. It seems like every time I travel anywhere, somehow my luggage is gone. Again, can't figure that out. I would, love, I would love to just be on the inside of this and say, hey, there's a better way of doing this. But I'm not. And so we don't get our bags, fill out all these forms. We go. Luckily, we're smart, and we've packed a pair of clothes in our carry-on so that we at least have something to change into. We go. We get to the place that we're staying, wake up the next morning, put on our fresh pair of clothes, thinking surely our bags are going to get here today. They just were on the wrong the wrong flight. So we call up to the, to the airport and say, hey, are, are our bags there? Did they make it? No. And it was at this moment I knew this is not going to be a good trip. Something bad is happening. But we're fine. You know, we're, we're on a mission trip, so we're just going to suck it up and have good attitudes. And so we go the whole day, and we work, and it's hot, and it's sweaty, and there's mosquitoes, and, and, we're, and we're just like, oh, man, I would love to have a fresh pair of clothes, but I'm okay. I can wait a whole other day. And so we wake up. The next morning, we put back on our clothes that we were just wearing that are hot and sweaty and gross, and they smell bad. There's mosquitoes on. And we call the airline. Hey, are our bags there? No. And we just keep trying to have this really great attitude of our, our bags are eventually going to show up. They're not just gone. There's no way that our bags are just missing. So we just keep waiting. Six days go by, and we're still wearing the same pair of clothes. Why in our minds did we not just think, let's just go buy some clothes until day six? But it didn't happen. And so day six comes, and we finally are like, okay, I'm done wearing these clothes. I'm done. I smell horrible. I probably look horrible. I'm going to go buy some clothes. So our team, we gather up in a van, and we go buy some clothes. I am male, 
if you don't know that, I am of the male species, okay? That means you can assume one thing about me. I do not shop. Ever, ever. I hate shopping. It is my least favorite thing on the face of this earth. I mean, if I died and went to hell, <laughs> it would be like I would wake up in Ikea. Like, that's, hate it. Hate shopping. And so I walk into this little market, and I see this shirt, and I look at it, and I'm like, that's a good-looking shirt. Didn't unfold it, didn't try it on, nothing. Put it in the basket. I'm done. I go to the next thing. I go up to these pants. I look at these pants. I think, these are good-looking pants. They're long enough, throw them in the bag. Done. I'm Two minutes. I'm in, out of that store, okay? The next morning, it's time for church. And so I get up, and I put on this shirt, and I start buttons. It's super, super tight. I'm thinking, uh-oh. <laughs> and so I get it buttoned, and then I look in the mirror, and I notice that from the sleeves down is flowers. They're all flowers. <laughs> I'm looking at myself. I'm thinking, wow, this is a very tight flowered shirt. <laughs> If it was 2019, I would fit right in, but it wasn't. So I'm thinking, wow, this is bad, but I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm comfortable enough in my masculinity. I can wear a flowered shirt every once in a while. It's fine. And so I get these jeans. This is, this is where it gets bad. And I get these jeans up to about my knees, and they're not budging anymore. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, no. <laughs> and so I start doing all the tricks that I've learned of how to get pants on, and I'm jumping up and down. And I'm kicking my legs and trying to pull these pants up. And they're still about right here. It's been like 15 minutes. Like I'm sweating trying to get these pants on. And they're so tight. So, so tight. Again, 2019, I'm perfect. I'm hip in fashion. Not then. And finally, I can get these things on. Zero percent chance they're going to be zipped or buttoned. Just nothing. So I throw on a belt. I'm just like praying. This Lord, help, help me today. They're so tight that I literally cannot bend my knees. Okay. So I'm walking like there's no chance. I'm, I can't bend my leg. So we go to church, and I stand in the back because I can't sit. And so I stand in the back, and everyone's worshiping and having a great time, and I'm just in the back like frozen. Just no one see me. Please, nobody look at me. <coughs> and I'm fine. No one has seen anything. But then it comes time for lunch after service. And we go to this house. Amen. Yay. <laughs> and we go to this house. And we're having lunch at his house. It's like a buffet style. And people are starting to notice, Landon's walking funny through this buffet because I can't bend my legs. And so I'm waddling through this buffet, and I'm gathering my things. And I'm thinking, why is he wearing a flowered shirt? And why is he wearing women's jeans? And I, I did not know the answers to these questions. And some of you are thinking, why is he telling us this story? Here's the point. Here it is. All comes down to this. There was two people that ended up noticing me and responding to me in this moment. There was some people that, two groups of people, there were some people that started taking pictures of me and laughing at me and posting them on Facebook and all these kind of things. And you've got to realize, now I can look back at this and laugh because, hey, I accidentally cross-dressed. It's okay. It's, it happens, okay? But in that moment, me as a 12-year-old boy, I'm thinking, my life is over. <laughs> like, I'm going to be posted on social media. I'm going to go viral. No one's ever going to be able to look at me the same. I'm going to be like all those people we make fun of on social media all the time. I'm that, I'm that guy. It's happening. And these people are laughing. And then there's my sister. My sister Sarah is just so sweet. And she was like, I've got to protect him. I'm, I'm going to protect Landon. And so she gets a friend, and that friend stands in front of me, and Sarah stands behind me so that no one can take any more pictures of me. 
and post them. And so we just kind of waddle through. And my sister's got cerebral palsy. And so she, she walks funny, like already. She, she drags her foot a little bit. And so it was just like, it was like, this is perfect. They're, gonna, they're not going to be thinking about me. They're going to think that I'm making fun of you. I wasn't. But that's, it was just perfect. It was like, oh, this is the perfect system. And my sister wanted to protect me as I am cross-dressing accidentally. Literally, the next day, our bags came and we were fine. But the point of that very long story is this. There's two types of people. There's people that are for you and there's people that are against you. There's people that when you struggle and when you deal with something, they stand on your side. And then there's the people that stand against you and they make fun of you and they hurt you. And this is a very silly example of that. Honestly, in my life, that, that did not define me very much. Me wearing women's jeans, I'm fine. I have recovered from that. It took some time, but I'm here. But in life, we walk through things and we struggle and we hurt and we deal with difficulty and often there's two camps of people. There's those that are for me and there's those that are against me. And I'm going to tell you this morning, this is a very important thing when it comes to fighting our anxiety and fighting our depression. This morning's message is community part one. If you're taking notes, it's called community part one. Uh, we're going to be in several, chapter, several verses in scripture. Here's the chapters up here. 1 Kings 19, Mark chapter 5, Galatians 5, Genesis 50. This morning we're going to talk about relationships. Um, I think that often, and I, I know this because I was in church for a long time, still in church for a long time, but I, I grew up in the church. and When there would be a message, like I would hear the title of the message or hear the subject of the message, I would tune out immediately because I'm like, uh, I don't need that. That's not applicable to me. I'm going to tell you something. If that's your thought, your first thought, you need to do a little bit of a heart check because you might have a little bit of pride because you can take something from everything. You can. I'm going to tell you, this message, there's parts of it that are for you. Um, This is something that is important. It's vitally important for every age, for every gender, for everything. This message is important. I want to challenge you to stay tuned. If you want to go ahead and turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. Some of you are never going to get that picture of me out of your head, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. We've been working through the story of Elijah and, and realizing that Elijah struggled with depression. Elijah at one point was looking at God and saying, please kill me, I can't do this anymore. And so we're looking back at his walk and figuring out what did he do wrong? What are things that he did that he shouldn't have done that made him get to this point? And we're going to talk about another one of those today. First Kings 19, verse 3. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. That's what we talked about. Running for your life, running so much, not ever resting. That was last week. He ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, watch this, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He left his servant there. If you struggle with anxiety and depression, there's one very common thing that people do, that people struggle with, not having community, not having relationships, pulling back. Um, And what's funny is this is often complemented with a loneliness. And we feel so, so lonely. I just, I just, I'm tired of feeling lonely, but I'm also, I don't want to be around people. I'm going to pull back from every single person I know, every relationship that I have, but I'm also so lonely. And this is something that may not seem like it makes sense, but when you're right in the middle of it, it makes perfect sense. 
I don't, I don't want to have relationships, but at the same time, I crave relationships, and I need relationships. But Elijah made the mistake of pulling back, and the one person that was there for him, the one person that wasn't coming against him, he left. He said, you need to stay here. I'm going to face this by myself. Newsflash, I'm going to, I'm going to spoiler alert of this sermon. You can't face this alone. You cannot face this alone. It's a very, this is a very hazardous trait. It's a very dangerous trait that we pull back. <clears throat> and I'm going to show you some reasons as to why that is. Mark chapter 5. You want to turn to Mark chapter 5. I'm going to jump around a little bit. We're going to start in verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jairus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. All right, I'm going to skip down to verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother this teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? This child is not dead, but is asleep. And they laughed at him. Watch this. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and disciples who were with him and went in there where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. This is a very fascinating story. It's a very random story. Some of you are wondering, like, what in the world is he about? To, what, is he, what in the world is he talking about? Before we get into the points of the message, I want to give you a few just like, these are just free points. These are just things I'm throwing away. You are created for relationships. You're created to be in relationship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they work in perfect unity. If God, the creator of the universe and the king of all kings, needs relationships, you do too. You need them. We need them. We all need them. You can survive by yourself, but you can't thrive by yourself. There's a thing called solitary confinement. It's the worst punishment you can give a prisoner. When they get arrested, you give them solitary confinement. They're, it messes with their minds. Because they're alone. You cannot thrive by yourself. It is the worst punishment. You cannot thrive. You will <coughs> not be able to fight these things that we're fighting. It's so much better to fight them when you have connections. And what's crazy is we live in the most easily connectable world. Like the most easily connectable generation of all time. It is so easy to be connected with phones, with social media, with text. Whichever. It's so easy to be connected. But we're the least connected generation, the most easily connectable. It's so, we have so much potential to be connected to others, and we are the most least connected. Most least connected, that doesn't even make sense, but you know what I'm saying? We're the least connected generation. We don't want to be around people. We be, it's all about individuality. We like to think, I don't need anybody. I, I'm fine by myself. I'm fine, thanks. I don't need anybody. Newsflash. You need a lot of people. You need community. You need relationships. 
in your life. You were created for connections. Relationships are important. They're so important. They're needed. But you have to have the right ones in your life. You have to have the right ones around you. In my situation, with my women's pants and probably female shirt, in that moment, there was two people, there was two groups of people that were around me, one that I desperately needed and one that was hurting me. One that in the middle of it, they were making fun of me and they were gossiping, they were taking pictures and all these kind of things. And then there was my sister who was trying to protect me. There's right relationships and there's wrong relationships. All right, three main points. Number one, who's in your room? Who's in your room? When Jesus arrives at the house of Jairus to heal, this, to heal his daughter, there's all these people outside, and they're, they've already given up. Okay, they're, they're wailing, it says. They're weeping. They're crying. They, they're screaming. And it says even when he mentions the idea of hope, when he mentions, hey, there's a possibility that she's not dead, they laugh at him. Jesus. They laugh at Jesus. They know what Jesus has done. They've seen him. And when he mentions the idea of hope, they laugh at him. So what does he do? He throws them out of the room. He gets them out of the room. He doesn't let them see what he's about to do. He doesn't let them get to be a part of what he's about to do. He throws them out. What kind of people do you have in your room? Do you have pessimists in your room? Do you have angry people in your room? Do you have jealous people in your room? I'm not talking about a physical room if you can't pick that up yet. In your life, who is surrounding you? Who is around you? Because here's, here's, here's another spoiler alert. You can throw people out of your room. The wrong people can be thrown out and it's okay. You need to have some, some guidelines of what you are expecting of people in your life. Negative people exist. People that don't belong in your life, they exist. And they're probably coming for you. <laughs> they're probably trying to be a part of your life. We have to be aware of who's in our room. When I was in the middle of my, my pants problem, <laughs> in the middle of it, I was beginning to realize more things about my sister. That she loved me, that she cared for me, that she wanted to make sure people weren't posting things on social media. There is pictures, by the way. I would not encourage you to try and find them because you will, your eyes will die. But... <laughs> But there is pictures out there, and there was pictures because people were making fun of me and taking pictures of me. And in that moment, I had a clear example of who I didn't want in my room, who I didn't want surrounding me, who I didn't want around me in the middle of a struggle, because there's the right people and there's the wrong people. Who's in your room? Sometimes we give people an address in our hearts, like a place to stay, when they're actually supposed to be commuting through. Okay, somebody needed to hear that. I'm going to say it one more time, and whoever you are, take a note. Sometimes we give people an address in our life when they're supposed to be commuters. They're supposed to be passing through, and we need to be the ones that say, here, <laughs> go, keep on moving. You're not supposed to be here. I'm going to say, all right, let's do this. Y'all ready? Let's get a little bit risque. Not risque. That's the wrong word. I'll see y'all later. <laughs> Take a drink real quick. <laughs> there are very few problem-causing people in your life that you didn't put there. I'm going to say it one more time. There are very few problem-causing people in your life that you didn't put there. 
Often we think and we sit and we complain on social media and we're so mad about, oh, he did this and she said this and I can't believe this happened. I can't believe this happened. Here's the thing. Did you put them in your life? Did you put them in your life? Because if you did, get them out. Get them out. They don't belong there. There are people that don't actually belong to have that special place in your heart. They don't. And that's okay. People are sometimes supposed to teach you a lesson and then leave. But they teach us a lesson and we cling on to them and we hold on to them. Let them go. Let the right people in and let the wrong people go. Sometimes we have to do that and it's okay. There are very few problem-causing people in your life that you didn't pick to be there. If your family is causing you problems, you did not get to pick your family. What that means is you need to make things right. If you, have thing, if you have issues in your family, if you've got a prodigal kid, if you've got a prodigal parent, if you've got some situations, you need to work on fixing it. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be quick. But it means you can begin to pray and you can begin to forgive and release some of these things and hopefully try and build that relationship back up. But if you have friends in your life, if you have community that's not your family in your life and they're causing you problems, it's okay to throw them out of the room. It's okay take care of yourself and to take care of your heart and get the wrong people out of your room. Jesus even had levels of friendship. I want you to think about this. Jesus has his disciples and he takes them all to the Garden of Gethsemane where they're all praying, but then he reaches a certain point and he looks at some of them and he says, all right, you need to stay here and y'all need to come further. Y'all come with me deeper still, he says. Come with me deeper still. There are people that are supposed to go to a certain point in your life and then stop And you're supposed to take some deeper still. Know the difference. Know the difference in those. Who's supposed to be with me and who's supposed to come deeper still. So there's the people that Jesus threw out. Then there's the people that that trusted Jesus who walked with him in the room where it happened. That he allowed to walk in to the room where it happened. He took a few people because those people believed in him. And they believed in what he was going to do. They had hope in him. They had trust in him. They believed in Jesus. And these people got to witness the amazing things that Jesus did and the amazing thing that he did in that room. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus has amazing plans for your life. He has amazing plans for your life. If you're 5, if you're 50, if you're 500, he has amazing plans for your life. He has amazing, amazing plans. Unfathomable, unthinkable things that he wants to do in you and through you. But here's the deal. We can hinder those plans if we have the wrong people in the room. And some of you want to throw things, but I'm telling you, you can hinder the plans of God if you have the wrong people in the room. Not because you're more powerful than God, not because you can sit up here and and fight God's plans, but because you forget to believe in God's plans because you have the wrong people around you. You don't trust Jesus' plans for your life because you have the wrong people around you. We can hinder God's plans when we have the wrong people around us. You've got to have the right people. <coughs> the Bible calls us Christians, okay? And Christians means little Christs. And all over Scripture, the Bible says, you're going to do even greater things than Jesus did. You're going to do these amazing things for God. You're going to change the world for the gospel of Jesus. Are you surrounding yourself with people that believe that? Are you surrounding yourselves with people that believe in you 
Or are you surrounding yourselves with people that when you share the idea of hope or you share the idea of, hey, I think that God's calling me to do this, they laugh at you? Are you surrounding yourself? Because they laughed at Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. They laughed at him. Are you surrounding yourselves with people that believe in you? Think about this little girl. Her life, her entire life literally was changed because she had the right people in her room. Jesus threw out the wrong people and brought the right people in, and her life was forever changed. Her destiny, her calling, everything in her life was changed in an instant. What if Jesus hadn't come? What if Jesus hadn't thrown those people out? Would she still have raised from the dead? Would she still, would she still have gotten up and walked? And I just, I, I just picture the people outside of this room. I think about what, what they were thinking when all of a sudden they hear another set of footsteps. They hear a 12-year-old girl begin to talk. Can you imagine that moment of realizing he was right? I should have believed. I should have trusted. I should have hoped. Have the right people in your room. Have the right people around you in the middle of it, in the middle of the, <coughs> of the hardship, in the middle of the struggle. Have the right people around you because our lives change by who we let in our room. And it's not just about people being with you in the good times. You need to have people that are with you in the good times that are celebrating you and that are with you in the hard times that are fighting for you and fighting with you and fighting on your side. And we often like cushy friends, cushy relationships, where I, I want them to be in my life because they're going to tell me the things that I want to hear. Yeah. Guess what? Those are not always the right people. You need people in your life that are telling you what you need to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear. Have the right people around you because the people who tell you what you want to hear are not necessarily telling you the truth. Have the right people around you. The people that were in her room that Jesus left, he brought in her, her, her father and her mother, and he let them stay in the room. He let them in the room. They were with her in the good times and in the bad times. They got to see when she died, but they got to see when she rose again, okay? These are the people that you need, the consistency that Jesus would walk in and say, okay, you can stay. Would Jesus say that about some of your relationships? Would he walk in and say, yeah, this person's fine? Or would he say, this person should have been gone like 20 years ago? <laughs> What's he saying to you about your relationships? I'm going to tell you one, there's so many characteristics of friendships, of people, of relationships that you need to have in your life. There's so many. I'm going to tell you one uh, characteristic in Galatians 5. This is a good guideline to, to let you know of, hmm, maybe this person is not who I need, or maybe this person is exactly who I need. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. The fruit of the Spirit. Notice this is singular. Fruit of the Spirit. That means you don't get to pick and choose what you walk in because it's one fruit. You don't get to walk around and say, okay, today I'm going to walk in love and joy and peace and patience, and tomorrow is self-control. So today I can lose my mind if tomorrow is self-control. It's one fruit, one fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Are the people in your inner circle, are the people that are going with you deeper still in your life, are they displaying the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generosity, self-control. Are they displaying the fruit of the Spirit? You need to be a witness. That means sometimes you're going to be around people that don't love Jesus. You're going to be around people that aren't followers of Jesus. 
that's okay. But they don't need to be in a place of deeper still with you. They should have stopped back here. They don't need to go into the deeper places of your life. That's saved for people that are displaying the things that you need, the fruit of the Spirit. Don't get to pick and choose. People are walking in all of them. They're probably a really good person. (laughs) That doesn't mean you don't have grace. It doesn't mean if your friends mess up, like the moment they mess up, you're like, okay, you're out. I'm cutting you off. Not that at all. But it means, is their life displaying these things more consistently than it's not? Are they more often than not living out love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness? And this is, this is a side note. This is literally not even in my notes. It just came to me. I think somebody needs to hear this this morning. It says, against such things, there's no law. Against these things, there's no law. The law is referencing the truth. Against these things, there's no truth. The fruit of the Spirit is love. If you have someone in your life that's telling you they love you and they don't have the Holy Spirit, guess what? They can't love you because true love only comes from the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm going to say that again. I really think somebody needs to hear that. If somebody's telling you they love you, I'm thinking probably like a uh, uh, boyfriend, uh, uh, whatever that is. If somebody's telling you they love you and they're not walking in the Holy Spirit and not walking in line with the Holy Spirit, they cannot know the truth of love because against the Holy Spirit, there's no law, there's no truth. The only form of true love can come from understanding the the love of the Father and walking in line with the Holy Spirit. Against such things, there is no law. That was free. You can have that. Number two. All right, number one is who's in your room? Number two, who are you in a room? Who are you in a room? When you enter a room, what do people do? You really don't want to think about that too long. But when you enter a room, not physically, But when you enter somebody's life and you begin to walk with them through something, what do they do? Are they really happy that you're there? Like, man, you're going to come and bring bring me so much comfort, and you're going to come and and encourage me with the right things. Or do they say, oh, no, I can't believe you're back. I, I, I can't believe it. Is that what they think about you? Because here's the thing. We have to think about ourselves sometimes, too. Am I, what am I doing for people? How am I helping people? How am I loving people? Because we are created for relationships, so I want to be good at relationships. We want to be good at relationships. Are you a dream squasher? That's a weird word. I don't even think it's real. But is that you? When I was a kid, I don't want this now, so, so just telling you, but when I was a kid, I really wanted to be president of the United States. I thought, that's got to be the best job. That's the worst job, by the way. But I thought, in my mind, I really want to be the president. Like, I just, just so much power, you know, and I, obviously, I like power. I just thought, that, yeah, power, money, you know, nations. I just loved it. I wanted to do it so bad. But everyone around me, literally, my friends would sit and they would laugh at me and they would, like, you know, kind of dream squash. I would sit and say these things and they would just, no, you don't, you don't want to do that. That's dumb. You don't want to do that. So this is when I was a kid. And when I'm graduating high school, I'm telling people what I want to do. I want to travel the world and tell people about Jesus. I want to travel the world and tell people that Jesus lives and that he's good and that he's faithful. And I want to take it to places where it's never been. And I had people that laughed at me and said, it's not going to happen. Guess what? It happened. It happened. I had the opportunity to go and do these things. But there was people that said it wouldn't. 
Is that the kind of person that you are? When you enter somebody's life and into somebody's situations, do they dread it? Are they thinking, you're just, you're just going to blow it off. You're just going to blow me off. You're not going to be here for me. You're not going to encourage me. The Bible says we have the power of life and death in our tongue, that with our tongue we can encourage people with life or with death. What do you do? We need to self-analyze. What do you do? Are you encouraging? Are you wishing death upon people? Here's one of my favorite things that Christians do, and I'm not talking about, literally not talking about anybody specific. I'm talking about in my life, being around the church. This is what we like to do. When we're face-to-face with somebody, we're encouraging and we're loving. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to be encouraging you. And then I turn and I see this person. You cannot believe what she is struggling with. You can't believe what he's dealing with. You can't believe what he just told me. We like to do this. Guess what? Guess, guess. guess what? You're speaking death. That's death. It may not be to their face. It's actually worse behind their back. You're speaking death to them. You are. And it needs to stop. That would, that's one of the people that, that Jesus would throw out of that room. He would kind of say, you need to get out of here. You don't, you don't belong in this room. You need, you need to hop out of here. We have the power of life and death in our tongue. When you enter a room, do you believe in others? Do you walk in and the room is never the same? Do you walk in and because of the hope that you brought and the light that you brought, that room is forever changed? We need to be doing that. When we walk into situations and into people's lives, we need to leave and they're never the same. Their life is forever different because of the love that you brought, the encouragement that you brought. Jesus says... In the New Testament, I'm not going to make you turn there, but he says in the New Testament, he came and he, he, he came to fulfill the law of the Old Testament. He fulfilled it with two commandments, love God and love people. The key word is love. Is your life defined by love? Is the way that you live defined by love? If not, you might need a heart change. You might need to start actively thinking about how can I better love? How can I better love God? How can I better love my neighbor? How can I better love people? We need to be the people that walk into a room and it's forever changed and people's lives are changed. I'm not going to make you turn to Genesis because I'm, I'm running super late, Whew, always. But here's, here's a story that, that comes out of Genesis that we were going to turn to. You can turn there if you want to, but I'm not going to read it. Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers, okay? Joseph sold into slavery and he's tortured and he's put in prison and, and he begins to rise up while he's in prison thanks to his integrity and thanks to his character. He begins to rise up in power. And soon, he's the most powerful and one of the most wise men that this nation has ever seen. He's brilliant. And he says in his mind, I think there's going to be a famine, so I'm going to start collecting all this food. That's what he says. Guess what? Famine ends up happening, and who comes knocking at the door of the most powerful man is his brothers that sold him into slavery. And he doesn't, they don't even recognize him. They're looking at him like, well, who is, who is that guy? He's just powerful, just some powerful guy. They don't recognize it's the brother that they sold into slavery. And he looks at them and immediately knows who he is, who they are. And he has a decision to make because right then he could throw them all in prison. He could have them all killed. He could embarrass them. He could make them lose their family dignity. But what does he do? He throws everybody out of the room except for his brothers. And he says... I forgive you, I love you, I want to be with you, I'm going to help you, you can trust me, I'm going to help you. 
what you did meant to hurt me, but God turned it into something beautiful. I'm going to be here with you. Are you that kind of person? When people have sold you out, when people have hurt you, when people have led you to places you don't want to be, are you the kind of person that sits there and exposes them and yells at them and screams at them and you're mad at them and you post about them on social media? Is that the kind of person that you are? Are you the kind of person that says, you know what? What you meant for evil, God meant for good, and I'm going to make this something beautiful. Is that the kind of person that you are? Because that's the kind of person that we need to be. And I think sometimes we need to check our heart. All right, here's the last point. Is Jesus in your room? All of these people sit and they pray for this girl and they war for this girl and they wept for this girl and they're angry that she's dead, but nothing changed until Jesus entered the room. Jesus is the key ingredient to victory in your life. It's always Jesus. You have to have the right people around you but you have to, have to, have to have Jesus. He has to be in your room, in your situations, in your life. When Jesus enters a room, everything changes, and it's never the same. He's the only one that can bring hope, the only one that can bring peace, the only one that can bring joy. It's only Him. He sends people to gather around us, and we need community, and we need relationships. But most of all, we need Jesus. He's got to be a part of what we're walking through. And because Jairus' daughter was in the room with the right person, she rose again. She lived. If everyone in your life leaves you, if everyone betrays you, if everyone hurts you, if everyone's mean to you, if everyone talks about you, if everything, every person in your life is bad to you, and you still have Jesus in the room, you can and will Walk again. You will. Jesus had to throw people out of the room. But because he was there, she lived. When Jesus is in the room, you can live. We've got to trust him. We've got to trust him with that. Keep him involved in every area, in every situation. It's so easy to kind of pull back on things. when we Again, we, we have this tendency to pull back, but it's not just from people. It's also from, from God, and I begin to struggle with things. And instead of turning to Scripture, instead of turning to worship, instead of turning to asking God, I turn to other things like eating. That's me. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, when I, when I get in like a, a dark place or like my mind starts running too much, I literally just consume so much food. It's not even funny. I mean, it's a little bit funny, but it's horrible. I don't sit and think, maybe I should pray about this. I sit and think, I'm going to stuff my face till I can't think about this because I'm in pain. <laughs> What do you turn to? Because if you don't turn to Jesus, you won't find victory. If you don't turn to Jesus, you won't find victory. All right, number one, who's in your room? Number two, who are you in a room? Number three, is Jesus in your room? This is an important part of life. I know this seems like a, a, a random thing, a random message. But in your fight with anxiety and in your fight with depression, if you are doing it alone, or you're doing it with the wrong people, you're going to stay stuck. You're going to. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be like a, a negative person or a pessimist. I'm just telling you. You're going to stay stuck. But if you get the wrong people out and get the right people in and include Jesus, you can and will walk again. You can. 
And here's, just, I want to close with this. The victory that you can have in your life over anxiety and over depression is not just going to be something that's mental. It's not just going to be something for you. It's going to be such a huge victory that even the people outside of the room are going to be able to see it and it's going to be a testimony to how good Jesus is and what He brought you through. You're not going to, you're not going to be victorious in silence. You're not going to sit over here and be, woo. You're going to have people that are celebrating with you and you're going to be a testimony because of the power of Jesus that helped you overcome Overcome the, the mental stress and the mental anxiety and the depression because Jesus is in the room with you. He's going to be a testimony through you. Jesus, we love you. And we're so thankful for you. And we're so thankful that, that sometimes you come in and you teach us who to throw out of the room. And Lord, I just pray that our hearts would be listening to you. I pray that we would be attentive to you and to your word. And, and God, if there's people we're supposed to have in our life that aren't, God, I pray that you would help us pursue relationship and pursue community. If there's people that we have in our lives that we shouldn't, I pray that you would give us the courage to throw them out. Give us the opportunity to say, you know what, maybe, maybe I need to pull back from this. But Lord, we thank you that most of all, you are our victory. And when we have you in the room with you, we will walk again. And I just pray that we would begin to trust you and walk with you and make sure we allow you in the room. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.